Welcome to the Central Christian Church Podcast. We pray this message helps you find and follow Jesus. If you would like to connect with us more, please visit us at centralsj.org. Today, we celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive. And here's my favorite Easter passage. I think I've shared this every Easter I've ever taught. And it's found in Romans 8, verse 11. It says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you just need to know that, that the same spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will Not maybe, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living inside of you. And I don't know about you, but that's pretty exciting news. And I like to say it this way. The resurrection of Jesus wasn't just an event to celebrate. It's power to be experienced. Here's what Easter is. We got this on a a slide here. Let's pull it up. It's your first fill in the blank if you are taking notes. And that's this, the resurrection of Jesus wasn't just an event to celebrate. It's not just a holiday. Holiday literally means holy day. It's a day set apart. And it is a very holy day. It is a day set apart. And we celebrate Easter. But it's not just a day off. It's not just something we celebrate. It's power for you to experience in your day-to-day life. And I pray you experience it. Jesus himself said this. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, he will continue to live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked a good question. Do you believe this? And that's just a good question for you to consider today. Where do you land on Easter? Where do you land in your spiritual journey with, with Jesus? So like, do you believe Jesus is who he said he was? Do you believe that Easter actually happened and because it actually happened, there's hope for you and hope for today and hope for tomorrow. Do you, do you believe this? Yes. C.S. Lewis, he said this, and this is in your notes as well, that Christianity, if false, is of no importance. Like, like it doesn't really matter. But if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. So what we learned today, what we discover about this, this Easter is it's, it's of infinite importance. Like it's the most important thing. It's the most important topic you could ever allow your minds to direct to. It's the most important topic that you could ever spend time investigating. Because if it's true, man, everything hangs in the balance on where you land on that. Do you believe this? And if it's not true, well, then it doesn't really matter and you continue to live life however you want. But if there's just a 1% chance, I suggest it's worth investigating. So today we're going to look at John's gospel account of that very first Easter. All four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, record uh, the resurrection, record the first Easter. But we're going to look at John's gospel today. And we're going to pick it up in, in verse 1. It says this, uh, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, and we're going to come back to Mary Magdalene in a minute, Uh, went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she ran. She came running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. And I just paused because there's some humor in the Bible. And so the guy who's writing this, his name is John. And he could have said, like, he's the guy who who was with Peter. And he could have said, hey, she came running to, to Peter and to me. But he said, no, he, she, she showed up to Peter and the one whom Jesus loved. Which I think is just awesome. Because if you could identify yourself, I could identify myself as Tim, but 
Why do that when I can identify? I'm the one Jesus loves. Like, I, that's awesome. And hilarious all at the same time. Um, she said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. At this point, she thinks the body has been stolen. So Peter and the other disciple started to the tomb. Look, watch this. Both of them were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. And I just think that's funny because even in the Bible, there's healthy competition. He's like, me and Peter were in a foot race, foot race right? And, but I smoked Peter. <laughs> so they, they, they out, he outran Peter. He reached the tomb first. He wants you to know that. Verse 5, he bent down and looked into uh, the tomb at, at the, the strips of linen that were lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, by the way, didn't get there first. Once he finally arrived, uh, he went into the tomb and saw the strips of linen lying there, uh, as well as the burial cloths that had been around Jesus' head. The cloths were folded up by itself, separate from the linens. And so at this point, they realized, man, I, I don't think Jesus' body was stolen, because if it was stolen, the, the linen would have been taken as well. So what they would do in this ancient practice would be to wrap up uh, the deceased body to help it decompose and to uh, put um, some fragrances and spices in there so it didn't stink as bad. But the body's missing, but the clothes are there. And it's not like they're, they're just in a corner folded up. It's like the body was there and then the cloths are just lying there in their place. So they think maybe something else is going on. So finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, by the way, <laughs> Uh, beat Peter. He says that like four times just to make sure you know he won the foot race. He went in and he saw and believed. And this Easter, we, we've done our best to kind of set the table and, and be very celebratory for the occasion. But can we just one more time celebrate the fact that Jesus is alive and we're excited for that. What's interesting in the, the Gospels is that they don't give a whole lot of, a whole lot of space, a whole lot of, of landscape for the actual resurrection event. They don't, they don't describe, here's how it happened, here's what happened. But rather, they, they spend a whole lot more real estate talking about the encounters that Jesus had after his resurrection. He encountered people, like he ministered for 33 years. He was with people all the time. And after his resurrection, where does he go? He goes back to people, which I think just tells us something very important about the heart of God, that God's heart is always for, for people. And the resurrection is very well verified. It's a historic event. We realize that. But it's also a life-changing event. After his resurrection, Jesus, the Bible records 12 different appearances as he encounters people, sometimes one-on-one. -on -one. Sometimes in, in a large group, over 500 people at one time saw the resurrected Jesus. It's well verified. But here's what you need to know about, about Easter is that, that he's still encountering people today. He's still showing up in the midst of the mess. He's still, still helping people. He's still reaching out to people. He's still interacting with people. And he desires to encounter you and have you encounter him today. He comes to offer you a fresh start an eternal newness in your life and mine. And I want to just direct our attention for the remainder of our time. Uh, we could talk a lot of, about a lot of encounters that Jesus had after his resurrection. We're just going to look at three of them, three encounters that Jesus had after his, his resurrection. The first one we're going to look at is an encounter. The first person, actually, that Jesus saw that first Easter after his resurrection was Mary Magdalene. 
Mary Magdalene. Now, there's a lot of Marys in the Bible, but, but Mary Magdalene, uh, she's called Mary Magdalene because she's from a small village in the northeast shore of Galilee called Magdala. Uh, you could go visit it today. There's actually a, an archaeological site that's active right there. They're, they're unearthing what took place at, at Magdala. But Magdala was a resort town. It was a wealthy town. It was a very immoral town. Church history tells us that Mary was a prostitute. The Bible tells us on two separate occasions in the Gospels that Jesus drove out seven demons out of Mary's life. So not only is this woman, not only does she have a checkered past, but she's a woman who knows brokenness. She knows oppression. She knows evil on a very deep, deep level. In the midst of her brokenness, Jesus shows up in her life. And he doesn't just set her free from seven demons. He gives her a purpose and meaning to her life. And, and she becomes a, a devoted follower of Jesus. Jesus had followers, not just the 12 that would follow him everywhere they go, but, but a larger group. And, and Mary Magdala was, was part of that group that would support Jesus' ministry. So for the past three years, she, she's done daily life with Jesus. And it's in the midst of her brokenness, though, that we see this first encounter. John 20, verse 11. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. So Peter and John have, have left. Mary stays and she's brokenhearted. And I pause at this point in the service just to talk to some of you here in the room who are brokenhearted. It's Easter and so you're, you're looking good. And you do look really good today, by the way. And you're in a space like this, so you're smiling and everything's great. But on the inside, you know something's off. Something's broken. Could be a relationship, could be fears for a child, could be a financial situation, could be a work situation, could be, could be someone very sick that you care about deeply, but something's broken. And I want you to see who Jesus appeared to first, a lady whose heart was broken. And look where he encounters her as she wept, as she's weeping in her brokenness. Jesus shows up. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated there where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the feet. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? And notice the angels are drawn to the fact that she's hurting. She, she, they recognize this woman's crying. And I just want you to know, when you cry, heaven notices. Sometimes in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our brokenness, we think, God, where are you? We think heaven's silent. But you would need to know in the midst of your hurting, in the midst of your pain, that heaven is very close, that God is very close in those moments. And as she's crying, the angel says, she responds to the angels, that they've taken my Lord away. She said, I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. As a pastor, I get to be with people and their greatest moments and their worst moments. And here's what I know to be true, is that Jesus is very close when you're hurting. Again, she, she doesn't see it was Jesus. Like she can't, she doesn't realize it at first. In the midst of our hurt, in the midst of our pain, sometimes we don't recognize he's present either. But you can hang on to this promise in Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. So it was true that first Easter, and it's still true today, that, that after that, that, that resurrection Sunday, the first Easter, the first person that Jesus appears to was a brokenhearted woman. 
So I would just suggest today, if you're brokenhearted, just look for Jesus, because I guarantee he's close. Mary's encounter teaches us and reminds us today that Jesus isn't far away as you think. He's not as far away as you think, so look for him. Just look for him. And we've tried to set the stage for, for today so that as you look for him, you find him. And I guarantee today, even in this service, if you look for him, you'll find him. Might be in a, a song, might be in a testimony, might be in the message, it might be in the a smiling face as a, a greeter on the patio, might be, might be in a moment where you see a little kid holding a baby chick, I don't know. But if you look for him, I guarantee you're going to find him. He's not as far away as you think. The second encounter that we see that first Easter is a man that perhaps you've heard of, whether you're a follower of Jesus or this is your first time in church. Uh, he's known as Doubting Thomas. And Thomas was a follower of Jesus, but after the resurrection, he just became the world's most notorious doubter. And in that same chapter of John, John 20, verse 24 says this, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Which you would think, well, Thomas, you missed out. You should have been with your boys. You should have been, at, you should have been gathered together with your small group. You missed it. So, so the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. And like, Thomas, you missed out. Jesus is alive, Thomas. And like, you missed it. And I think doubters feel that way. I think they feel like, man, I'm just missing out on something. Like, I don't know why people are so excited about all this. Like, like I, I, there's something I'm missing Either, either something wrong with you or there's something wrong with me, but something's off here. And I think doubters process life and look at their own doubt that way. The doubters aren't bad people. They just often feel like they're missing out. But Thomas, he, he realizes the other disciples have encountered Jesus. So he draws this line in the sand. And he says this. He says, he said, he told them, unless I see the nail marks in, in his hands and in his feet and I put my finger in his side, I will not believe. He's saying, boys, I respect you, but I saw him on the cross. And like, I just don't believe it. I don't believe you actually saw him. And here's what Thomas teaches us. He, you need to know that God's not turned off by your doubts. Your doubts won't keep Jesus away. And Jesus loves Thomas, so he goes to him in John 20, verse 26. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them this time. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you which is someone showed up and they didn't walk through the door, I'd be like freaking out. So Jesus says, have some peace, like settle down. And he begins to address Thomas. Then he said to Thomas, really, Thomas, after three years? Thomas, I told you I was going to be crucified. I told you I was going to rise again. Like, Thomas, where's your faith? Like, Thomas, what's your deal? Thomas, what else do I need to do? And we might respond that way, and oftentimes the way we would respond is what we project onto God and how he would respond to us. But Jesus doesn't respond like that. He says, okay, Thomas, I see you in your doubts. And he says this, put your fingers here in my hand. And Jesus takes a step towards Thomas. But Thomas is going to have to take a step towards Jesus as well. And if you're doubting today, I would just want you to know, like, like if Jesus is a thousand steps away, he's going to take 99 Hey, 999, that is. You just have to take one. My math's off. I'm a pastor. Sorry. <laughs> but I'm just saying, Jesus is close. Just take a step towards him. He's already taken steps towards you. It says, reach out your hand. Put it here on my side. Stop doubting and believe. 
Thomas said, my Lord and my God. And Thomas would go on after this encounter to ultimately be martyred for planting churches in India because of this one encounter he had with Jesus. It changed his life forever. So the first portion of this message is dedicated to those of you who are hurting. The second portion of this message is dedicated to those of you who are doubting. And here's what this first Easter encounter teaches us, that Jesus isn't bothered by your doubts. So reach out to him. Just reach out to him. He's, he's coming close to you today. You just reach out to him. The third one is the one that I probably relate to the most. And so Jesus has appeared to a woman incredibly broken and hurting. He's appeared to a doubter. And lastly, he appears to a failure. And the third encounter that we're going to look at today is a man by the name of, of Peter. And Peter, you might know him as the apostle Peter. Uh, but that's not how he felt that first Easter. Peter had told Jesus on Thursday, he's like, hey, all this cross talk, like oh, you're going to die talk, like, hey, these other guys, I get why you would say that they're going to turn their back on you because I think they're a little bit fickle too, Jesus, but not me. Like, Jesus, I'm all in for you. And so if you're going to die, they're going to have to get through me to get to you because, like, I'll die with you. Like, I'll never deny you. And Jesus tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And and sure enough, he does that night, deny Jesus three times, denies that he even knew him. The gospel account records that Jesus, in that moment, he denied him the third time. Jesus turned and looked at him. And you can imagine the, the wreckage that Peter must have felt in that moment. Extreme disappointment. Disappointment simply means you missed your appointment. You, you had an opportunity and you missed it. And the gap, the level of disappointment we feel is our expectations versus the reality and Peter's expectations were here. I'll never deny you. But the reality is he denied him repeatedly. And all this is the weight of disappointment that Peter is feeling. But in the midst of his disappointment, Jesus shows up. John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter. So they're, they're fishing. Jesus is on the shore of Galilee once again. He calls him. Oh, he realizes Jesus. He's cooking them breakfast. And, and they're eating this meal. And, and then he pauses in that meal and he says to Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And one thing we would just need to know is that our, the Greek, the original, the, the New Testament was primarily written in the Greek language. And it's, there's a lot more detail in the Greek language than in our, our English language. Uh, but this word love, uh, it, we translate it love, but there's actually four different words in, in Greek for that word love. Um, one is storge. It's like a parent's love for their child. It's a, it's a natural love. Like there's, it's a love like no other. Uh, there's eros. We get our English word erotic uh, from this. So you can kind of guess what, what that word means. It's a physical kind of love. Uh, phileo is, uh, we get our English word Philadelphia from it. The city of brotherly love. It's a, it's a relational friendship kind of love. And then there's agape love. It's, it's this love that says, man, there is no condition in which I'll ever stop loving you. And you know that Jesus loves you like that. But, but Jesus starts out, and when they finish eating, he says, do you agape me more than these? Do you love me more than these? And Peter looks at him. He says, says Lord, you know I, I phileo you. I, like, I love you like a brother. But I can't, I can't go here. If you would have asked me on Thursday, I would have said 100%. Ask me. Like, I love you like that, Jesus. But, but now I just love you like a brother. But look, even in the midst of that, Jesus tells Peter, I'll still use you. Take care of my sheep. Again, Peter, uh, the second time, he asked him this again. And he, he says, hey, do, do you love me? Do you agape me? Uh, 
And he says, no, I can't go there. I, I phileo you. And Jesus said, okay, then, then feed my lambs. And then the third time he says, hey, do you, do you love me? But this time Jesus changes the word. And he says, do you love me like a friend? And Jesus meets Peter where he's at. He comes down to Peter's level. And this encounter with Peter that first Easter reminds us, if you feel like you fail God, you need to know today that Jesus isn't giving up on you. So just love him. If you feel like, feel like man, you've blown it, you're, you're, the disappointment you feel in your heart is so great, so immense. You just need to know that Jesus will step into that disappointment with you. You, you need to know that he'll still, he'll still use you. And here's the, the third fill in the blank. Jesus isn't giving up on you, so love him. Just love him. The Bible says that if you've been forgiven much, you, you're going to love much. And so if you feel like weighted down with regret and grief of like things you've done, don't let that keep you from God. Let that motivate you just to love God all the more because he's forgiven you, giving you a fresh start, new beginning. So Mary's encounter teaches us that first Easter that Jesus isn't as far away as you think. So look for him. If you're hurting, I just say look for him. If you're doubting, Thomas's encounter reminds us that Jesus isn't bothered by your doubts, so reach out to him. And finally, Peter's encounter reminds us, if you feel like you're weighed down with failure, Jesus isn't giving up on you, so just love him. And what you would need to know this Easter is that Jesus didn't just encounter people that first Easter. He's still encountering people today. The last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter tw uh, 3, verse 20, says this, says, look. And that's my invitation to you, just look. Like, look for Jesus in your life. You're going to see him showing up all over the place. He says, look, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And here this Easter, he's making another appearance. He's making another appearance to you. He's knocking. He, whatever, however far he had, he, he came, he, he wants to encounter you. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we'll share a meal together as, I love that, as friends. And here's what you need to know this Easter. Jesus' invitation is not an invitation to religion. His, his invitation is not an invitation to a long list of do's and don'ts. His invitation is to a meal. His invitation is to friendship, to journey through life together, to allow him to intersect with your life at every moment of every day, step by step, with him as friends. And I guarantee you'll never find a better friend. And here's my last point. God's still making appearances. He's still making appearances. And I think he's appearing to some of you today.